morning, film fans. It is Mother's Day weekend, and so be kind to that woman who gave you everything. Now, Lynn, you don't know when people are listening to this. They could be listening to this at midnight. Well, that's it's the always- beauty of podcasts. So if you, you know, you could say good day, good evening. It doesn't matter when they're listening. We just say hello. Well, it's always a good time to remember your mother. Okay. And uh, granted, that is true. We'll talk to our guest, Jim Tudor, coming up next. Around minute eight, we'll talk about Demon Slayer and the Wrath of Man. Around minute 11, we're going to go back to the movies soon, hopefully. Around minute 18, The Paper Tiger. Around minute 23, Unthinkable. Around minute 29, Things Heard and Seen. Around minute 36, Gunda. Around minute 40, The Human Factor. Around minute 45, May the 4th be with you for Star Wars Day. Around minute 48, 22 versus the Earth. Around minute 50, The Bad Batch. Around minute 59, Marvel's Phase 4. And our guest, no doubt, cherishes his wife, the mother of his four children, Jim Tudor. Hey, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Lynn. And yes, you got me. I cherish my wife. Um, Is that... (laughs) Is that the correct answer? Yes. Uh, I've, and also my mother, uh, who's uh, out there. I don't know if she listens to these things, but uh, uh, hey, mom, uh, you're fantastic <laughs> and I love you. And and my wife is, uh, you know, the mother of our four children. And um, yeah, Mother's Day weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and to you, Lynn, as well. And uh, to your wife, Carl, um, at, 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 uh, with your family. Thank you. Happy, Jim. happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Doggone it. As uh, Dennis Franz said at Wrigley Field so many years ago, hello to all the mothers out there. <laughs> I, I remember that. That's because Corcoran played it all the damn time. Uh, yeah. Dennis Franz, by the way, has a different last name. That's his stage name, Franz. And he's from Chicago. And he is a proud. No. Yeah, he is a proud graduate of SIU Carbondale, where my Carbondale. uh, Yes, where my both my boys uh, got their degrees, including one memorable Mother's Day eight years ago. It was the uh, weekend graduation was Saturday and then Mother's Day was Sunday. And so we were cleaning Tim's apartment. I was cleaning the bathroom on Mother's Day. Yay. And uh, before <laughs> that's how we, it should be yeah, before we could move him out, because, of course, he wasn't ready to move out. Uh, but Fra- Franz is his middle name. Like a lot of people that I know that work in show business, they just take their first name and their middle name and they make that their names. Right. Well, SAU Carbondale is also the home of Jenny McCarthy's matriculation. Ugh. And you mean that anti-vaxxer Jenny McCarthy? Yes, yes, yes. And and uh, and a, a whole scad of other Steve James, the famous documentarian, because when I met him at Sundance 10 years ago, uh, he was walking in and I said, go Salukis. And he looked at me. I know where you went to go. I know who you are. <laughs> the so, famous. Yeah. So we can get back to movies this time. But Jim, uh, you have been so busy grading because it's the oh. end of the semester for Webster University. That's right. This is for the very first time at Webster University, where I'm an adjunct professor. 
which means I'm doing all this work for this much dinky little <laughs> bit of bit of payoff. Um, anyway, I uh, which I I happily gladly do. By the way, you know if anybody has any uh, you know film lectures or uh, you know presentations that they'd like for their you know um, Lions Club or, or you know meeting of the you know uh, League of Retirees or, or what have you um, libraries. I, I am available and I, I work uh, very inexpensively. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's, that's the, the, the sad truth of it, this racket that we've somehow wandered ourselves into, but yeah, at Webster, the semester's ending. And I, for the first time I've taught two courses in one semester. And what did you teach this year? Well, history of animation, which is kind of my, uh, my old, old hat. And, uh, but that, that still, you know, takes some doing, even though it's like my fifth time through that one, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, I, I can't just put it on autopilot, you know, you have to really do it. And then, and then, um, the new class, which I created from nothing, uh, which is the history of comedy, uh, film comedy. And they only gave me eight weeks to do it. That wasn't enough time. <laughs> so I, I made it work. It was very, very difficult, but now I've, you know, I could chop this thing into eight pieces and make it eight separate lectures if I wanted, you know, go like travel with it. But uh, that it's, um, it was grueling. It was like just a nonstop sprint creating PowerPoint lectures every week. And because of that, uh, a little warning for, for our listeners and to you guys, I've seen nothing new. I've seen no relevant new movies that have opened now or TV shows or even paid attention to the news that much. Um, I don't know what's going on. I will gladly chat with y'all about it, but I've had my head down watching, you know, doing research, watching films and uh, grading student projects. And, and that continues. Grades yeah. are due next week. Um, I'm taking a break from that to be with you too. Thank you. Well, we appreciate oh. it. Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's a sanity break. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there is there is a movie that is out right now that is that is in the history of animation. It is it's a Japanese anime movie that is it no newbies can go see it. It's all about it's all um you, it's it takes place between season one and season two. And my daughter is really excited about it, but she's not caught up. So therefore she can't go see this movie. Is this the Demon Slayer? Yes. Yeah, I've had a couple of reviewers on Zeke Film, which is a website that I run, uh, woefully not updated that much lately. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, there are some, thing, some new, new content there, but a few of them have asked if they could review uh, Demon Slayer. And I've inquired about getting them a link and- uh, the, It's in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I inquired a month ago. Okay. And they said, Oh, we'll have links. Crickets. No. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't, I, Japan's you know. dealing with a, with a pandemic as well too, Jeff. Well, I don't think these, these uh, representatives I was emailing were in I Japan. I think I'm, I'm, were, I'm just teasing you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, they've got a pandemic. They can eat their movie out and, and that can make. <laughs> yeah. But they can, as we found out through Mitchell versus the machines, they can make the movies at home. That's that's what yeah. they and as we heard at the Oscars last week, the, they said the soul when soul won best animated feature, they the co-director thanked mm -hmm. everybody for being able to be flexible and work at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's very true. And that's, that's one thing about the animation students that I have that uh, they're in a particularly sweet spot here because, you know, there are jobs and there, I don't know how many, but the work is, the work is, is, is out there and it can be done uh, more readily than not in these situations, like at home remotely, wherever you are, um, you know, you don't necessarily need to move out to Pixar or whatever. <laughs> Cupertino. Now, now, so we are talking about Dragon Slayer, even though none of us have seen it and none of us are really, I'm sure you're familiar with like the original source material, it, Jim, but it's no, it, but well, that, that's the thing. It is, it is a very, it's not, I wouldn't say niche, but it is, don't go see Dragon Slayer since Demon. we're talking about, I'm sorry, don't, Dragon, Dragon Slayer was the video game. Uh, don't see Demon Slayer if you don't know anything about it. You go, oh, hey, this movie looks good. You will be lost just by going in because it takes place in the middle of the story. Yeah. It, it's a TV series. And so, like, you needed to have watched 13 hours of TV before you could understand what's going on in this hour and a half movie. And then it leads yeah. into the next 13 hours, season two. So if you're a fan of the Demon Slayer, then you already know what we're talking about. If you have no idea what you're talking about, don't, like, wander into this by mistake. Do you remember? Well, it, was, it was number one at the box office over the weekend. As it should be. Here? Because the people like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes, it defeated a Mortal Kombat, which is another one that I'm not seeing. Another one none of us bar. are seeing right now is Wrath of Man. That's the big release this weekend by Guy Ritchie starring Jason Statham. And it was not offered to us for screening. But our friend Dan Buffa saw it and said it is, you know, there's either good bad Guy Ritchie or bad guy Richie, this falls somewhere in the middle. He says it's not as good as the gentleman, but it's not as bad as like King Arthur. So Dan Dan Buffa said that? Yeah, he did. Is it the, the real times trio Dan Buffa? Yes. The, what happened to that guy? Well, he's he's uh, just gone. He's just gone. He's running around uh, on the Channel 5 website. Oh, I see. He's he 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 moved up in the world and, and left you guys here. No. <laughs> well, that Dan. Well, I'm, I'm glad he got to see that movie, you know, um, and, and a, you know, Dan's somebody who really uh, knows his stuff when it comes to the action films. That's what he said. He said it's not horrible, which, you know, you have to take it. It's it's on a sliding scale. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and our and our <laughs> friend uh, Tom Stockman, I believe, saw the movie, but I think he went and saw it at a theater because that's what Tom Stockman likes to do. Yes, he does. He will. Uh, He'll tell you all about it. how no one else but him was there. Right. Yes. Yeah. And he does not like watching movies on the computer. I, well, and I understand that. I get it. I do. too. I well, it. I'm excited because I am going back into the theater for the first time in a very, 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 very long time to see this, the screening of Spiral, which is a Saw movie, which I do not care for now, those. Hold, hold on a second. This is the ninth Saw film and you have missed two through eight and yes. you're going to go see film number. You're just going because of Chris Rock, aren't you? 
You might as well go see Demon Slayer. <laughs> well, at least I know the premise of so, but it's got Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock, and it's the first screening in a movie theater in a long time. So I thought I could learn about it from all oh, my fellow critics. because you don't critics. care about the movie. Well, well, I just want the experience again. My, I, I considered this because I, I also noticed that it's the first one back and I'm fully vaccinated more or less right now. I need another week to really let it sink in, but that's where I'm at. So I was looking at that going, huh, I, 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 this could be my return to the movie theater. And then I thought about it for a second and said, you know, I don't know that I want this like unofficial Saw movie to be the one that for the rest of my life that I have to say for the rest of my life, remember the pandemic? Uh, Well, yeah. And we didn't see movies for a year and a half. Well, I I didn't go to the last movie I saw in the theater. I, I, this is true. The last movie I saw in the theater before the shutdown was bloodshot with Vin Diesel. Sorry. uh, Yeah. A movie I would never remember having seen it. If not for that fact, I saw the hunt, which was not, which I'm, I'm glad that was the last one I saw because I enjoyed the hunt. A, A more prominent probably better movie, but I'm stuck forever saying bloodshot. Now I'm hoping that my first one back <laughs> in on the other side of this will be something a little more prominent. And I don't, you could you say, know, well, you could wait to Cruella. Yeah, but it's, I, I don't know for, in that case, like, you know, we were talking before the show, there's no guests on that one. And it just seems like a bummer. I was probably going to go see something with my wife and, um, so you're going to take her to a Saw movie? No, I'm not taking her to this. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the thing, Carl. I don't want the first movie back in to be the Saw movie, even though it does have Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson. And I'm curious about what they're doing there. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm, 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 I've built it up too much, doggone it. I've built it up too much. Well, you know what? That's that's the thing. I can remember what my daughter's first movie in a theater was. It was Cars. Mm-hmm. And yep. I don't, you know, I my parents never told me what the first movie oh. I saw was and because it wasn't a big deal to them. But I know because my daughter wants to be an animator that mm-hmm. her first oh. movie in the theater. Yes, Jim, we'll talk later. Okay. Um, <laughs> my, my, her first movie in the theater was Cars. It was a Pixar movie that is now more highly regarded now than it was when it came out. Oh, the Stanley Kubrick effect. Yeah, well, it's the, it's weird because, you know, when Cars 2 came out, how could you sell in the memory of Cars? I'm like, you didn't like the first no, one. How can no, you say that? That's right. That was that was accurate then. So, so but it's, it's weird. And so I know what hers is. I know what the first movie I saw with my wife was. Mm-hmm. I know I know the first movie. I What was well, it? I was going to say, I think I, I think I saw. Well, we saw a, a reissue of Beauty and the Beast. OK, very nice. Mine and, was being John Malkovich. Oh, well, that that was meant for an interesting yeah. date conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And now we're married. But <laughs> I don't know. My, my first drive in movie, I think, was Star Wars at the old Ronnie's because mm-hmm. my parents said, you need to see this on drive. But that doesn't mean before 1977 or 78 that they didn't take me to a drive in and I didn't know it. Right. So, exactly. But and I, Lynn, did your parents tell you? I saw Pinocchio with my grandparents okay. and I remember, and it was at the Fox. Ooh. And so I remember standing in a long line to see it. My first film, 
I have narrowed it down to two. And I don't know if this is even accurate because again, like Carl, my parents didn't tell me they didn't, it wasn't a big deal to them. It wasn't significant. My first film in the theater, but I think it was either Pinocchio, uh, not at the Fox or Superman, the movie when it was initially released in 1978. Yeah. Yeah. I have a very, very faint memories of that. I would have been four or five years old. So I, I like to say it was one of those two, Pinocchio or Superman. Well, I know I saw Star Wars at the theater, but I'm but I was six by then. And so they were they were taking me to movies. I mean, Star Wars probably then my grandfather took me to that. I'm sure they had taken me to movies before that, because I know I know when once my parents got divorced, my dad loved taking me to movies. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Yeah. But the only one I remember is Star Wars, because that's that was it. Yeah. I also remember all my kids' first movies. I, I would have to work to kind of, you know, recite them right now, but it was mostly Pixar movies. It was like well, Brave and... Uh, for a while, our buddy Max Boise, he was counting the movies that he was taking his son to. And yeah. I don't know if he still kept that list because after a while, yeah. now Oscar's in love like with Godzilla versus Kong because he, he's, a, he's a Godzilla freak. Well, that's good. Sam, Max uh, did it right then. Yeah, but for a while he was keeping track of every movie that they saw. And, and of course, most yeah. of them are kiddie movies. Very few movies on that list for a while. Well, I remember that uh, Tim sat on my lap the entire for Pee Wee's Big Adventure and didn't move a muscle. And then Charlie, uh, we were at the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie and he was way too he was not ready to be in a theater and he was screaming and squirming <laughs> and i had to take him out to the lobby oh. and i was like oh i'm one of these parents yes, it was a horrible but you know no, no. if you're the one if you're taking them out to the lobby that means you're actually doing something it's the people right. that don't leave those are the assholes right yeah yeah but it's 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 interesting because, as you know, my wife actually sat on my lap for the Beauty and the Beast movie too because you know, <laughs> we were dating. Nice. I'm sure she wants that story out to everyone. Yeah, <laughs> it is now. Oh, well, <laughs> one of the uh, one of the more delightful surprises in all the movies that I watched this week was the Paper Tigers. All right, and let's this go is to a, the paper tiger. This is a throwback. Speaking of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, this is a throwback to those 90s martial arts movies that 90s kids uh, remember fondly. This was at the time of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Power Rangers. And then so late Je 80s, early 90s. Right. Jean-Claude Van Damme and, and Steven Seagal and and all the, and Jackie Chan, all those uh, kung fu movies. And I remember the kids watching Three Ninjas and everything. So the Paper Tigers is about three guys who were prodigies, kung fu prodigies of this master and uh, they're now middle-aged men. And they find out that their master has been killed. And they haven't seen each other in a very long time. They go to the funeral. And there's rumors that he might not have died of a heart attack. It might have been uh, murder. 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 And so the whodunit is incidental 
to these guys getting back together and rekindling their purpose, but also their friendship. And it's really funny because the one guy drives a minivan and works in insurance and, and everything. So they start, they have to show these punk kids uh, that they are really the three tigers. And of course, you hear every ache and pain and they're limping and they're bloody and they're, and, and so the middle-aged humor is fun for guys who just, you know, let that part of their, you know, they couldn't do a kick up without pulling a muscle. <laughs> and so, so there, it's in Seattle and it's very low budget and uh, it has the guy that was the master sergeant in Mulan, Ron, why Y-U-A-N, he's the- Yoon. Yeah, Yoon, he's one of the guys. So he's probably the biggest name. And then there's or a Yun. guy- Then there's a like, guy from Cobra Kai and um, uh, the, the Karate Kid reboot in it, a small part. And then uh, there's this TV show called Enter the Dojo. Hmm. And the guy that's in that. So it's from, from familiar to that world. But it's a nice little genre pick. And it just has a sweet sentimental vibe to it. And it's, it's not the greatest story. It takes a while to find its rhythm. But it leaves you with a nice little feeling that you just uh, had a sweet little walk down memory lane. All right. Nice. Well, I don't know, but it's and it's not the David Niven Paper Tiger. No, it's uh, on digital and it's yeah. in theaters, but not in St. Louis. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that, Carl. <laughs> well, hey, you know, you know, some people look up movies and go, "Oh, I don't know what that is," and they'll yeah. find it and they'll go, "Oh, is this the Paper Tiger War movie with David Niven?" Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that well. was the case with with my students all semester long with the history of comedy. It's like, now wait a minute. You know, is this is this the the one with Laurel and Hardy or, or is this, you know, the one from, you know, uh, 2006 or whatever, no, well, you know, no, Battle or, of the or, Century. Or is this uh, Charlie Chaplin's The Kid or is this Bruce Willis's Disney's The Kid? Right, right. This, this absolutely all semester long. They're they're they're, uh, you know, completely confused uh, about what's what, because all the titles have been exhausted and are now being reused uh, by newer movies. And uh, all of which they're familiar. I'm kidding. But, and or they're getting remade. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. the exact same film because I think I believe Disney's The Kid has nothing to do with Chaplin's The Kid. No, it no. doesn't. No. No. But but that no. doesn't that doesn't mean that like you know Father of the Bride was a very successful series for two different generations. Right. Right. Well, we did talk a lot about remakes and that sort of thing, you know. But. Uh, but yeah, Father of the Bride didn't come up, but like, to well, no, be or no, not no. to be came up. Really? Yeah, because we we talked about Ernst Lubitsch uh, in week three, and then and then Mel Brooks in week eight, and both of them were you know had their to be or not to be movies, and it was it was the same movie. It was the right. same you know. But you know what? Mm. It's almost been as long from the original. That was forty years. It's uh -huh. forty years now. Yeah, it's, it's time. Been, it's been was it what eighty three? Yeah, yeah. It's it was eighty three, and it's time for Will Ferrell or somebody to to do <laughs> to do this again. I or, can or, see every forty years make it to be yeah. or not to be, or Jackie Chan or whoever. You know who's in Paper Tigers? It's David um, Niven, but he's dead. Right. It's time for that. 
the uh, <laughs> well, the another one. Speaking of titles that are confusing, uh, there is a Swedish movie out finally in theaters. It was made in 2018, but it's just getting released now by Magnet. And it is called The Unthinkable. And not to be confused with the Samuel L. Jackson Unthinkable. Wait, what's Wait. this called? It's the... called The Unthinkable. Oh, The. There's a The. Yeah. There's, there's, a, a, the. there's a modifier at the beginning that and makes it better. It starts, <laughs> sets it, start, it apart. It starts out. I don't know about you guys, but I love these, these Swedish thrillers because they're so dark it's such a beautiful country and then they have the girl with the dragon tattoo and the sequels and then headhunters there's all these dark stories in sweden so this is no different it's about the midsummer festival ah. is the setting but not midsummer good uh, like that um and and this the people of sweden wake up to find a state of emergency. And it's been described no as a thriller disaster war movie. So right. there's there's no uh, internet or TV and nobody knows what's going on and everybody's running around as complete chaos and regular people in this little village are being shot. Uh, these army uh, guys are coming in and just shooting all these people. Well, the center of the story is a very dysfunctional family. And they start off with that first to set this family up as the people you need to watch through the film. So there's this shy, lonely boy and his father's abusive and it's horrible. And he, he runs away. And this girl he was pining for during his school years, she played the piano and he took up piano and now he's a heralded musician. And he comes back for his mom's funeral and he reunites with the woman of his dreams and ah. his horrible father. And this dad is so annoying and uh, unredeemable. And so you get tired of watching this guy be so abusive, but they're trying to save Sweden. And this is the movie. And there's this rain that has chemicals in it that if you stand there, your memory will be wiped out like Alzheimer's. Oh, wow. Well, that's a that's a twist I didn't see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. So it's it really it sounds it, like the Chinese or the Russians are behind it. Yeah, it unravels. You have to watch the credits to find out who's behind it. Okay. What? Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a, like a bonus credit scene where the, the big reveal. Here's yeah. who did it. Yeah. yeah, it was and, and Bill here's, Gates. Here's who the gaffer was. It yeah. was Bill Gates' oh. ex-wife. The, the whole the whole movie, you don't know who's behind it, and you're like, you were as in the dark as the characters, so therefore you're detached. Mm. And and but then, are you invested? Uh, no, and oh. so <laughs> no, it's too <laughs> way to sell it. Well, apparently neither were they if they bury the big reveal at the credits. What, yeah. what is this called again? It's called The Unthinkable. And it's oh. it because because the rain makes you not have thoughts anymore because they should be called. They should have called it uh, memory rain or memory washed away. Ooh, oh, there you go. See? See, I think it's the unthinkable because the you know, uh, uh, from a script writing standpoint, this sort of structure is, in fact, the unthinkable. 
Yeah, it's ter- it's terrible. It's this collective called Crazy Pictures. Go figure. <laughs> and and these guys and now hold it's- on, it's Swedish. Is it is it is crazy spelled a weird way? Crazy. No. Yeah, it's well, no, it's you know it's spelled in English, and okay. uh, they have uh, they, apparently they funded this film through Kickstarter. Oh. So they spent all their money. It seems that they got the script that way, too. Yeah, it's really low budget. And they uh, spent all the money on fiery crashes. And they have uh, helicopters just, you know, going in and fires. So so that's what you're seeing the whole, you know, you're just seeing explosions. And uh, it's just kind of it just totally unravels. And I'm sorry I spent two hours and nine minutes of my life oh, thinking that this was going to be it's even long. Yeah, it's long. See, when I think of Swedish films, I think of, you know, the, the work of the, you know, the great filmmaker Ingmar Bergman, who, mm-hmm. you know, I've spent a lot of time uh, watching his films. And when you started talking about, you know, a, a village being invaded in some war, I thought of his film Shame from the 60s, which is, you know, Max von Sydow and Liv Ullman. And it's it's something of a masterpiece. It's it's a great, great, great film. And this sort of thing happens because, you know, it's acknowledging Sweden's history of um, uh, uh, uh non non-committal stance in in the war times and their neutrality their neutrality is the word i'm looking for thank you carl and yeah so i'm thinking of shame and thinking and then and then you you kept going about this and and more and more and more things got added and it became apparent this is not in the league of of ingmar bergman's shame no this is something else and then you kept going and i thought well (laughs) There's another type of film that Sweden was known for, and that was, you know, the the uh, the the softcore uh, sexploitation yeah. movies. And well, Liv Ullman's like in shame. We're in the uh, the the action and explosion equivalent of that, perhaps. Yeah, it's it just can't make up its mind. It's uh, it's not very good. Well, speaking of another thriller that I watched, I don't know if you caught this on Netflix. But it is things seen and heard, and I had very high hopes for this because it was just released on Netflix April 29th, and it starred Amanda Seyfried, or what is it, Seyfried? Seyfried. Okay, Amanda Seyfried as this artist in Manhattan who is married to a guy who's just finished his dissertation and gets a job offer at this tiny liberal arts college in upstate New York. Liberals. So they move to this rambling farmhouse that, of course, is remote, of course. And there's all these sinister factors at work. So there's paranormal activity in the house. And the wife starts thinking it's haunted. And the, their, their four-year-old daughter is terrorized by the ghosts. And Amanda, should be. and Amanda's character, Catherine, is at home all day while her husband, who turns out to be a sociopath, and those reveals are fast and furious. And you're like, what? So they should have picked a lane. They should have picked. Yeah. We're going paranormal or <laughs> we're going horrible cat of a husband. And this is how bad this movie is. It has F. Marie Abram. Oh. And it has the great Rhea Sealhorn from Veep 
and uh oh she was in something else she was better call Saul yeah that's it that's it and she is a suspect of the the thing she is a weaver this takes place in 1980 and I don't know why it's set in 1980 apparently the book the source material so they wouldn't have to do cell phones that's why everything is set in the past so they don't have cell phones (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah yeah because not uh, wrong oh yeah yeah i guess so well the um (laughs) the book is called all things cease to appear and it was a new york times bestseller from nine from 2016 and apparently it's multi-generational about these this uh house and the generations that lived in the house so it's mysterious oh karen allen and how is karen allen and again and michael o'keefer in this from caddyshack yeah he's he's the town sheriff or officer and she's the realtor who sold them the house so and and the girl the girl from stranger things is in it yes the the idiot girl uh Nancy. Nancy. Ugh. Yes. The worst character on Stranger Things. Well, she plays a a Cornell student taking a break who's working at the stables, and the husband has uh, has the hots for her. So he he's uh, always over at her place, and uh, they all of a sudden start figuring out that this guy is evil, and whenever (laughs) somebody confronts him. How evil he is! They tell him like, "I know what you did. You did all this stuff." Well, they suddenly have an accident or disappear or or whatever. It's like, and that that guy's James Norton. We've mentioned everybody in the cast except who the bad guy is. Yeah, that's right. And he was the husband of Meg in Little Women. Okay, the bad guy. Yeah, hmm. and he's uh, uh, John Norton, and he's apparently in a lot of British things. He, he's he's, he's BAFTA nominated. Yes. Oh. And so it's but not so, not for this. No, it's so ridiculous. It just has this this all of a sudden the, the third act, they're rushing everything. And then there's this the Russian rushing as oh. opposed to the it Russian. Yeah. Ah, OK, OK, OK. Yeah. But I was just like, afterwards, it's two hours and one minute on Netflix. So it's not too sped up. And it's a Netflix original. (laughs) And I was so disappointed in it. And I wonder how how the book, how the source material went. And the worst thing of all is the two directors directed. Two two people to direct this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Sherry Stringer. Oh, they're a team. They. They, and Robert they, Pulcini, they made American Splendor. American Splendor. Yeah, that was, of, that was uh, great. They made American Splendor, and then they make this. They have no business doing a genre film because they don't know how to do it. They didn't pick a lane. Yeah. Well, they also did the. They also won an Emmy for doing uh, Cinema Verite on HBO. So, so that. they can. They they are capable of doing good work. <laughs> They are, which is so surprising. And so is the is the cast. Well, yeah. Speaking of that, I want to go back and say that I am not not a fan of Natalia Dyer. I know I just trashed her on Stranger Things, but that's not Natalia Dyer's fault. The the Duffer brothers have given her character, Nancy, literally nothing to do since the first season. 
Thanks for clarifying that. Well, it's, it's it, I, I trashed her. I said she's the worst no. character on Stranger Things. But and that's she not, is a listener. She listens to this. Of course she is. And thank hi, Natalia. Um, <laughs> it's not her fault that she's the worst character. The, it's not the actress's fault that Nancy is Nancy Wheeler's awful. It's no. the people that create the show or hey, in season four, give give Nancy something to do. When is season four happening? Because they have kids... not. They just dropped a new trailer. Yeah, I heard about it. And they did not release a release date. This is a big deal in our house with the yeah. uh, the teenagers. Should be. Okay. Well, right. she's she's in a good movie. She and she's good in Yes, God, Yes, where she plays a Catholic a teenager. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She's We're very, told, she's very good that. in that. Well, this is the kind of cad that this husband is in the movie. He uh, uses his four-year-old daughter to pick up women at the library, apparently. Who hasn't done that? <laughs> <laughs> I used to use my little baby brother as a chick magnet. Yeah, children and dogs are great to strike up conversations with women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But so, that's when I was a young man. Yeah, that was well, a different time, wasn't it? Well, actually, yes. that's true. I don't know if those things work anymore because <laughs> I've been out of the dating yeah. Well, for 20 something years. Yes. yes. Well, so in, to uh, to uh, to cleanse the palate, as it were, from this awful movie. You watch I, Mitchell's versus machines again. No, I put in the pig documentary Gunda. What pig documentary? Yes. And we were all given access to this by neon uh, during the award season. And it is uh barnyard spectacle it is like animal farm yeah it's a camera that's put on a pig and she gives birth and all the little piglets are running around trying to uh figure out where to go for food and then uh, we cut to uh two roosters and one is only have one only has one leg so we have a one-legged chicken what? hopping around. And it's mm -hmm. in black and white? It's in black and white. And Joaquin Phoenix is an executive producer. How did I and miss it's, this? It's, it's American and Norwegian. That, that explains the whole black and white, no dialogue thing. Right. There's no dialogue. And uh, it uh, is at the Plaza Frontenac right now. I hear it's really good. Well, if it, it, uh, it's the circle. Once you know what you're getting into, right. Once you know what you're getting into the, the cinematography, uh, the director is Victor and I'm going to screw up the name because I did not write it down. Kazakowski. He also directed it. Yes. And he, uh, and Jill Lawson, his, his, was his two cinema, uh, co-cinematographer. This movie needed two cinematographers. Uh, well, because it, you you probably need one for the setting and one for the animals. Well, I can Boy. see why such a vegan as Joaquin Phoenix would would uh, produce. Oh, is this to get? Is this going to be like Babe and make people stop eating pigs and cows and chickens? Well, that's good. Uh, I was I was a little concerned about why the chicken had only one leg. It's like who got hungry, you know? <laughs> and and that's the wing. Yeah. Did this pass muster with PETA? I, I don't know um, what what happened, but no, this sounds like a very interesting movie. You know, the uh, and they sent know, this to us. Amputee chicken black and white movies are that's a neglected genre. Uh, it is in the neon 
binder, so to speak. That, so I have it. And Jim, you, you have, have it. it. And it's, uh, it's the last movie in the pack behind Ammonite, Carl. I guess you stopped oh, there. Yeah, I guess I they, stopped at Ammonite. They buried it. Yeah. Well, uh, for the for the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards, we did uh, uh, give it a nomination for cinematography. Oh, oh. good. Ha. Huh. So, so it's just now coming out. All these movies, like like Paper Tiger, was from, well just last year, so it's not that old. But there are movies mm -hmm. from 2018 well, and 2019 just coming out now. David Niven. I mean. Uh... <laughs> yeah, kind of well, okay. nice. that came out in 19, that 1975 so. right all right yeah. what is the human factor lynn i don't know about that this is another documentary and both kent and i watched it and we gave it the same grade a b plus this is about 30 years oh this is the interview with eight different people yeah okay this is uh about 30 years of peace negotiations in the mid-east and it's really six negotiators uh, that worked with all our. Uh, they start with George W. H. Bush. George H. W. Bush. Yeah. George Bush. The, the first. first. Yeah, yeah. George, just plain George Bush. And his Secretary right. of State was James Baker, and he had that blunt Texas talk, and he charmed uh, everybody on an international stage. And they talk about that, and then they go to Clinton who brought Rabin, Rabin and Arafat. Itzhak Rabin. Yeah, and, and uh, Arafat. Benjamin Netanyahu? Well, they get to him. But the, the big thing, the big focus is Rabin and Arafat because of the Oslo Accords, which we thought was going to have peace, and they got the Nobel Peace Prize, but then there was no peace because uh, Rabin got assassinated. Mm -hmm. And then they go on to the other uh, uh, Israel prime uh, israeli prime ministers and they talk about that the last 20 years they wrap up in a montage so the obama the w and the obama and the trump years they wrap up in a montage now so okay the so main focus they, is they they have the uh, brady bunch uh nine tic-tac-toe table and they just have shots of people's eyes i can tell which one's w i can tell which one's clinton i can tell which one's obama i can tell which one's bb but i don't see hw in here at all or i don't see trump either wait a second you're saying this is basically like a, a zoom grid but with extreme close-ups on eyeballs the yes. entire the time that's the that's poster. the uh, that's the one sheet. That's the one sheet. Yeah. Oh, I thought poster. that was the whole movie. No, 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 I, no. I was like, man, now 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 you're talking. Now you're intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, a Oscar-nominated Israeli film director, Dro Moray, did this movie, and it's very meticulous with archival footage, and then also the six guys that talk are the behind-the-scenes diplomats. And they take this very seriously and they tell the story. This is hilarious. They have Arafat's people sitting in the White House watching. Oh, I, Arafat's the, the very first eye, eyeball. Going. Oh, okay. So they have Arafat's people sitting in a room in the White House watching the Golden Girls. That's the, not the Golden Globes. 
No, the no. Golden Girls. The Golden Girls. No, so, so the so this nobody is like watches the Golden Globes. Mid mid eighties. Uh huh. So the, so these are little tidbits, but these negotiators they tell the behind the scenes stories and they talk about the country history, which is why we can never have sustainable peace in the Mideast. But we got really close and it's very fascinating documentary if you want to go down that path. It tells you things you didn't know. And uh, these guys, uh, there's a Dennis Ross and he served under four presidents. And uh, it's, it's really interesting about international diplomacy and how you've got to trust each other and you can't really manipulate the other side because they're going to figure it out. Uh-huh. And it's all about not like Arafat could not feel that he was being humiliated. Right. It's all about appeasing the personalities of the people in the room. Right. So this is more about the personalities of the world leaders and the negotiators. Mm-hmm. So so it, it's good. And it's just out now. It came. It was made in 2019 pre-pandemic again. Yeah. And it's called what? It's called The Human Factor. The Human Factor. Now, the guy it, that directed it was Oscar nominated for a 2012 documentary called The Gatekeepers. Right, right. <laughs> Trying to remember if I saw that. I don't know. So it's from Sony Pictures Classic, and, and Sean offered it to us, and I took him up on it. Well, he's a really nice guy for offering it to us. Yes, he is. Now, let's talk, let's talk about uh, stuff that Jim actually used to teach a class on. It was May the 4th <laughs> oh, God. this week. And Disney Plus, if you were a Star Wars fan, Disney Plus gave you everything that you could want for Star Wars. First, what? They had a Simpsons Star Wars mashup parody called The Force Awakens from its nap. <laughs> three minutes. Yeah. It's, it's three it's minutes. Only three minutes, and it's Maggie at a Star Wars themed daycare. And Ugh. as I said on the radio, the reason they keep doing Maggie Simpson shorts is because they don't have to pay the voice talent. Oh, because well, it it's just very, Maggie. it's very it's clever. Great. It's it smart. Is. Is it? And they have star. They have every character from the Simpsons that you would want and every Star Wars alien. They don't ha- necessarily have characters, but they have a representative of a Jedi. They have a representative of a Jawa. They have a representative of a hut. Mm. So that you you have every every kind of type of alien or person in Star Wars represented because uh, Maggie doesn't want to go to the Ayn Rand uh, daycare center anymore. <laughs> She'd rather go to the Star Wars themed one, which I'm there are so many gags in three minutes. I'm not going to tell you all, but okay. I will say I will give you one hint like the Arabesh alphabet is on top of the on top of the blackboard. Okay. And. So you can follow, there are arabesque things all over and little Easter eggs, like one wedding scene. My daughter took the time and translated mm-hmm. two things that I will give you hints. Okay. One, one is the, at the wedding, it says, may the fourth be with you uh-huh. in the, uh, in the book. Nice. 
And the second one is on a billboard. I sent this to you, Lynn, and you didn't get it until later. Right. Till after I saw it <laughs> on on the blackboard. There's just some arabesque lighting or writing. And it says, uh, good job, nerds. You figured it out. <laughs> which is clever it, yeah, oh it yeah. was it was very a, clever it's yeah and homer you know it's very yeah. clever and chewbacca is sitting with the kids and uh the timeout is rather interesting and uh yeah and uh maggie uh has a pacifier fight with uh bb no with <sighs> darth maulish the the, the one eyebrowed rival that maggie has had for the simpsons for the last 40 years mm. uh she actually fights with that. We don't know if that child is a boy or a girl, by the way, mm. uh, but they have a lightsaber fight. But Maggie's lightsaber is her pacifier. Of course. Well, well according to producer Al Jean, uh, they plan other ones, too. And Good. Dis Disney figured out, well, hey, let's use some of our properties because, you know, they own everything. Now they own Fox and Marvel and Star Wars. So that happened. Another Disney plus animated short that's really cute is 22 versus earth and this is pre-soul characters it's tina fey as soul 22 and uh she somehow uh is leading a rebellion about going to earth and then she finds out the meaning of life this is everything oh. that she talks about to joe before she said hey i've tried i've tried to understand going down to earth and this is this is just a little backstory it's a little one-off with tina fey mm -hmm. and uh, it, it takes place in the great before so. it legitimizes her claims in the feature itself correct it's right you know, and it's yeah. only it's only nine minutes it's really cute you know it's cute mm -hmm. and the they have the jerry's which i think that movie the more you think about soul and see parts of soul it is a masterpiece yeah it's a good movie well, also, uh, Jim, back mm -hmm. to Star Wars. Lynn, we probably should have started with yours and then moved, eased into mine. They also have something Too called late. Star Wars Biomes, which is like a travelogue of different planets. And oh, so boy. you you go to, I don't want to say which ones, so you can be surprised, but no. but they, you, it's, it's like a long crane shot of all these planets. And I said to my daughter, you realize this is all CGI. And she's like, no kidding. They weren't on Tatooine. <laughs> it's all CGI. Yeah. So, well, is so it, but no, because we try to show her animation is in everything. Of course. Yeah. There's, there's three types of animation and that's one of them. And um, then, the, oh, go ahead. No, no. I, I is Star Wars biomes. Is this on Disney plus also? Yes. It's on Disney plus also. Okay. And they also have, uh, Star Wars vehicle fly-throughs, mm. which is exactly what it is. The, the, the right now there are two of them: one, the Millennium Falcon, and two, a Star Destroyer. So you fly through a Star Destroyer and you see little details that you might not know. And it's they're all unmanned, and there aren't any robots or anything. So it's just an empty Star Destroyer, and you are getting a panoramic, detailed view of basically props and but cool. the millennium falcon one is too sets cool too. yeah sets, right no but so, but it's but it's treated like it's an actual vehicle so yeah yeah because they are carl that, oh, that's right. um yeah no i the um I, about the planet one mm -hmm. i know you don't want to spoil what planets they go to mm -hmm. 
but I want to ask, do they go to that planet on the Mandalorian towards the end of the second season where they had to take, you know, the child up to the platform to communicate with the force that, that, that planet I have a fascination with. I can't remember what it's called right now. That, <laughs> that's the level of my fascination. But uh, I, will, I will hate to burst your bubble, but they do not go to that planet. They do go to a planet from the Mandalorian. In fact, it is a beloved episode with a character who is no longer on the series. But, <sighs> and, and it is also a, based on a, a classic Japanese uh, legend. Okay. So that planet is the Mandalorian. So it goes from, mm-hmm. I would say, hey, well, they didn't do anything from the trilogy. And then I realized, ah, Tatooine counts as, Tatooine counts as everything because they go to Tatooine all the damn time. Yeah, that's the central hub, you know, for, for no, the that'd be Coruscant. That's, that's on the far <laughs> remote edge of the galaxy where nothing ever happens. Right. The planet, but, but it is, it, but it's a lot the, happens. But it's the <laughs> epicenter of everything in the Star Wars saga. Yep. Turns out, turns out. And then I watched The Bad Batch, which just like Clone Wars, in fact, they start with this, the Clone Wars logo and then that melts away into The Bad Batch. And if you watched the last season of Clone Wars, you saw the backdoor pilot for The Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. And this one, um, it's three episodes, just like they did with the uh, the Clone Wars. They tur- They took three episodes arc and made it into a movie and they released it. And that was a Warner Brothers film, by the way, everyone. And this one is the first three episodes of The Bad Batch. So the second episode, which dropped on Friday, is just a regular 30-minute episode. But the first one is 75 minutes. So it's three episodes edited together. And without... This is something that, like, if you didn't like The Clone Wars or if you didn't like Rebels, you... Unlike what we were talking about, Demon Slayer, you could get into this without having to know all the because a lot of people are turned off by the Star Wars cartoons because there are a lot of them and some of them are not very good. Yeah, but a lot of them are. Yeah, they, and- they, that's right. But this is like if you didn't watch all seven seasons of the Clone Wars, you're not going to be lost. Okay, that's, well, that's what, what I was, was going to ask. I was going to ask that too, because I, I was like, yeah, okay, the Bad Batch is new and that looks cool, but is this something that, you know, myself and my family can just jump into having not yet, uh, I confess, made it through the entirety of the Clone Wars? You would probably be better served by watching at least the Bad Batch. Now, and you're familiar with Rebels also. Oh, I, I've seen all of Rebels, but I okay. have not seen all of Clone Wars. See, because they're introduced in the Clone Wars and you find out why... Mm they are the way they are. So mm-hmm. the funny thing, the, oh, not funny, the interesting thing about this one, it starts off at the beginning of, it's called Aftermath. The first scene, if this was a James Bond film, it would be before the credits. Order 66 is going on. Mm. And so this is how the Bad Batch reacts to Order 66. As you found out from the Clone Wars, Jim, I'm going to spoil this a little bit. Okay. These are clones that are not like all the other clones. They're called well, I, the Bad Batch because there's something off with them. I Their programming that. is not right. Right. And so, right. like, they, they were genetically enhanced. One is like has superhuman strength. They're not superheroes, but they're not like regular clones. Okay. So, and one of them is a tech genius. One of them is a sniper. They, they were genetically enhanced to do specialized mm, things. So they're like not superheroes. like. 
they're not like the rest of the clones. And so when Order 66 goes off, only one of them gets a little pinging in his head to, hey, we need to kill all the Jedi. The other four are like, what? Why? What? Who? What? Treason? Mm. I don't know what you're talking about. And so that's where you start off. And then you find out where these clones that are not part of the real thing happen. What once the Clone Wars are over, what uh-huh. do the clones do? Yeah. Yeah. And we know a little bit of that from Rebels and stuff. But right. Uh, but D. Bradley Breaker, who has always done the clone voices, does all of the voices and makes each of the five bad batch members sound different that gives oh, that, them their own personality which is ooh, fantastic it's it's really cool. good yeah that's because cool. having knowing that one guy is voice he basically he's in a room by himself talking yeah. to himself and does he do this whole thing like phil henry style like yeah you know like you know now act like he's on the phone and then yeah uh, no, what, what are you talking about i'm talking no about I'm, I'm sure he's in, i'm sure he's in a sound booth but you know yeah. it would take a long time he's probably just having a conversation with himself in a sound booth yeah again very quarantine friendly uh production yeah. process here <laughs> we'll just have one guy do everything get him on a, a day where his house is quiet he could record <laughs> it at home more than likely well yeah i i've seen people people have set up that you watch them, especially Disney. If you watch Disney, you see says they record everything for supplemental pieces. You uh-huh. see people's homes have all these sound booths and all these things. Yeah, they they shipped all that junk out back in March of, of 2020. So, Lynn, I don't know. I know Jim would appreciate it, but I don't know if this would be something for you. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was almost going <laughs> to watch it and then I no, thought you could watch the you could watch the first one you can and and if you if it triggers your interest watch episode two it's out they're gonna drop every Friday oh also they have announced on uh, Disney plus that starting with Loki they're not gonna come out on Fridays anymore yep they're gonna come when, out on Wednesdays Wednesday is the new Friday wow. because well I still have to catch up with Falcon and the snowman so no, yeah, Falcon Fal- the Snowman was uh, Sean Penn. This is Falcon <laughs> oh. and the Winter Soldier. I keep saying that all yeah. the time now. Oh, my God. And Falcon. Timothy Hutton. And it has that great song by David Bowie, This Is Not America. This Is Not America. Falcon and the Snowman uh, is due, was due for a remake, though. That's so, what, late 80s? I don't know. No, no. So, 1982. And it's early. Not- it's really? about these young guys that sold secrets to the Russians and they were in Timothy the... Hutton, the other guy. Yeah. Sounds right. Okay. Timothy Sounds Hutton. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was, uh, it, it was also not too far from his Oscar win. Uh, no. and he, ordinary people, um, uh, correct. And he, um, getting back to Falcon and the snowman, those two real right. guys were in the Marion penitentiary in Illinois for a long time where John Gotti was. So oh. just FYI, Southern a little Illinois. more Illinois trivia. It yeah, all Southern comes Illinois back to Illinois, Illinois trivia. Yeah, Southern Illinois Penitentiary uh, news. Speaking of um, Marvel, I don't know if you guys had the a chance to see the big Marvel promo that came out on Monday, four minutes, We're and it forever celebrated movies and also 
they had this clip of people back in the movies, which was very strategic. And then they showed the Marvel phase four. It made, it gave me chills and it teared. I teared up. It was now the first two minutes were about the past and the next minute and a half is about the future. Yeah. Which was with, very, with, with very little new stuff, except we did learn that black Panther two will be called Wakanda forever. Right. With yes. black Panther and very small letters on top of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my, my daughter had saw this and came in and started telling me about it and I haven't watched the promo yet. I did. I think it was playing on my Facebook feed with it, it mute. So I <laughs> saw like these moments scrolling by it's like they make the movies unite us you know and then there's all well, the stan lee run. stan lee does the voiceover for yeah. the past. Oh, movies unite us he's dead um but he still he still had ideas about movies before he died well he had movie ideas about a lot of things uh, it, it's very strategically done and and inserting that uh, avengers endgame uh, being watched by an audience uh, before Avengers Assemble, which was the St. Louis Film Critics Association scene of 2019. Yes. Uh. Yeah. FYI. On your left. Yes. <laughs> and then, so that, so that was good. And uh, this week, not only did I get two movie screening uh, invitations, I got an invitation to a one-man play that is in June. And I got an invitation to a bridal shower and a wedding shower. So things are opening up for us in the vaxxed world. Yay. There's Yay. only 30% of the vaxxed world, though. So. Yeah, we, we went out to dinner last night. And instead of eating dinner in the car, which has been the case for the last, you know, on our date, you know, my wife and I would leave the kids and, and they can have cereal or whatever they do at home. <laughs> and then we go out to a restaurant you know, every, once a week or two, every two weeks or whatever we're able to do and uh, support these restaurants. And, and uh, you know, we end up eating the car and, you know, all these years and months or however long it's been, it, it, that's getting old. And last night we went to this place called Lona's, which is my wife's favorite restaurant. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, oh, it's her I favorite love that place. Yeah, it, it's like the breath of life to her. So, so we went there and, and uh, we looked over and they had tables outside and it's like, you know what? We're both, we both have our shots. Let's, let's sit at a table. And that happened. I think that's at California and Potomac, isn't it? I Correct. Think so. I, I believe that's right. It might, it's a Californian something. It's, it's. Yeah. It's and it's, it's, uh, they do have the picnic tables outside and then inside. Uh, I haven't been there in a very long time, but. You can't can't uh, go in. You can't go in. Aha. Uh -huh. But their food is is amazing. It's a fusion. It's a right. Uh, the Asian wife is Asian and the husband's American, and mm -hmm. they have a fusion of delightful food. And they have the absolute best cookie in St. Louis. It's oh man, it's a pineapple coconut cookie, and it's sticky and it's chewy and oh. oh. Well, they have they have ski ski soda which is a favorite of mine. That's out of Illinois too. Where I so, lived for six yeah. years. Yeah. No, I'm, I love that. Any, any restaurant that serves that has that on their, their uh, tap is, is uh, I'm down with. So, yeah. So it's wonderful to, to have these glimpses of getting back into the real world. I'm yeah. Going, I'm going to Herman for a wedding. I have not been anywhere in 14 months. And even before that, that was winter. So I don't, mm -hmm. you know, 
I mean, I can't even remember the last. Oh, I guess Chicago Christmas, the last time I saw my son, Charlie, in 2019. Yeah. Wow. Winter yeah. Soldier on. Yeah. So the <laughs> so, world is opening up and here we are sitting watching TV. <laughs> yeah. But Jim, uh, where can everyone find Zeke Films? Well, Zeke Film, it's just just what the one. No, oh, plural, it's but it's not it is, plural. No, it's no, no. Singular. No, we don't make films. We just talk about <laughs> them. And, and it's Zeke Film and it's dot uh, org on the web. And you can go there and uh, see the pittance of stuff we've been able to put out. I'll be posting um, a review by a contributor of Mortal Kombat very soon today. That'll be new uh, later on on Saturday here when we're recording this. Uh, I recorded a. I actually reviewed one thing in the past uh, several months, and it was a Blu-ray review of a film that I'd never heard of prior called The Wild Life, with, uh, which is a sort of kind of follow-up to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. What? Yeah, yeah, I'd never heard of this. Leah Thompson is in it. She's a, she's, and apparently this is the movie. This, it's like a teen comedy, but with teens later. Cameron Crowe wrote it. Um, it was not directed by Amy Heckerling, though. It was directed by a guy called Art Linson. Anyway, I reviewed this Blu-ray, which apparently people in the know about it were eagerly awaiting for years. I'd never heard of the movie uh, I until I, yeah, until I was offered it. It's not very good. The movie's not. <laughs> it's not very good. Um, it, in fact, it's it's some parts of it are kind of icky. But um, it's it's out there now, and and you can read my my review of the wildlife. And Eric Stoltz is the lead, and apparently, because here's the trivia here, the Eric Stoltz he was in Fast Times, very briefly. Yeah, but he he struck up a friendship with Leah Thompson, who plays his ex girlfriend in the movie. In real life, they struck up a friendship. Eric Stoltz gets cast as Marty McFly in yep. Back to the Future. Uh, and of course we you know infamously he it didn't loses, go well it didn't go well and he loses the role but he apparently advocated for leah thompson to play the part of huh. lorraine and that's how apparently uh legend has it that uh leah thompson wound up in the back to the future series wow aha uh -huh. well that's cool interesting. it I is cool I love those little tidbits uh well before we wrap up things i do want to say what's on dvd now and the father is streaming so if you want to see anthony hopkins oscar winning performance you can go to video on demand for that and that's the first time that that is available outside of theaters and then on dvd this past tuesday we have judas and the black messiah now mm -hmm. available the little things and wild mountain time's been out but this tuesday we're going to see uh, the French Exit, The Mauritanian, The Marksman, Land, and Together Together. So oh. there's they're rolling out quite a few on the DVD. Slash I have seen movie. some of those movies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you go to the Skyview Drive-In this weekend on the kitty screen is Secret Life of Pets and Minions, which are uh, involve Glenn McCoy of Swansea. Yep. He, he is uh, the former editorial cartoonist at the Belleville News Democrat, and now he's in, in animation. So I notified him. I said, hey, Skyview's having the Glenn McCoy double feature. <laughs> now, I the Skyview is asking people because there are some weekends that they don't have 
any current films. So they asked the people on their mailing list, what movies should they get? And yeah. one of them was, one of the choices was Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2. And I said, no, 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 no. If you're going to do Back to, it, do two and three, because nobody oh. watches three. Wow, nobody yeah. watches three. Yeah, three's good, you know? Three's and, good. It's, it's, it's a Western. Right. And, and people don't watch it because I think there's this, I don't know, this disconnect with Westerns in general. It's a perception. It's not earned. Well, everyone has seen one. Some yeah. people have seen two and two ends. On a, if you ended the night with a cliffhanger like that, that would just upset you if you didn't know mm -hmm. what you were getting into. OK, so I, I suggested to them to play two and three because yeah. everyone has seen one. So interesting thing about Back to the Future, Two, real quick. I uh, uh, several summers ago, it was like a couple summers ago, I guess. Uh, the last time my family went to Trout Lodge, the YMCA, if yeah, you guys are familiar. I've been there. Well, okay, well, we stayed at Trout Lodge for, I don't know, a weekend or whatever it was. And they they show movies in a rec room. It's yeah. basically, and, and uh, at night. And it's like, it's Minions and, you know, Treasure Planet. And then like randomly, Back to the Future Part 2. Not one, not three, just two. And it's like, why is that? And I figured, well, maybe they were running one for a while and they decided to move on to two. Or maybe somebody is an anti-Trump person because in that movie, you have Biff Tannen, alternate 1985, who is this like raging, you know, insane, like version where, you know- he, He's the, he's Mr. Potter. Yeah, 1989 Donald Trump by way of Mr. Potter, uh, you know, this this narcissistic, you know, misogynistic horror show of a person becomes in charge of everything. It's yep. this nightmare reality that Marty <laughs> McFly found himself in. And we're sitting there watching that, you know, in, in 2018 or whatever this was going, oh, wow. <laughs> You know, and I think maybe somebody at the Y was being a little. Uh, I liked there. I liked Trout Lodge. I we went there a couple of years ago. It was it was. You have to like camping. It's a, yeah. Back in my uh, small market radio days, I interviewed Tom Wilson, who plays Biff. Yeah, he's and hilarious. He, he denies the connection, though. <laughs> yeah, well, this yes, but Tom Wilson is a hysterical comedian. Well, yes, the, the, yeah, the 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 uh, the Simpsons predicted the his uh, the future. So we've mm. got that. Speaking of, we're all going full circle here. Yes. The, Simpsons, yep. uh, the story of late night is on CNN now. And I'm, uh, I'm waiting for at least three episodes before I get into it, Lynn, because you know how I feel about CNN. Can uh, you tell tell me about the story of late night real quick? It is uh, all the it starts off with uh, how TV had a test pattern. And uh, there was it's produced by <laughs> Bill Carter. So luckily it's by someone who knows what he's doing. The New York, pattern. New York Times and, writer, and, Bill Carter. And then yeah, all of a sudden there's shift. Steve Allen. And we go through, I've just been through the episode one. It's Steve Allen and Jack Parr. And we oh. are getting to Johnny Carson. It starts oh, off with John. Oh. It starts off with a monologue from Carson. And okay. it's going to be a, a, the whole gamut this is totally my jam. I need to watch. I did not know. Well, about this, you guys. Wait till wait till more than one episode comes out, because here's what CNN does. There'll be some sort of breaking news and you'll be looking forward to a new episode and it'll be preempt. You'll turn on your DVR and there, there's Don Lemon's face instead of oh. Conan O'Brien. 
So, but I think you're safe. It's, it's on a Sunday night's gym at 8 p.m. And then, of course, they're I don't they're rerun. No I, one I watches anything when it's on, Lynn. I don't have access um, to CNN, but I, I somehow down the line, I hope that maybe it'll pop up on one of those streaming platforms it that will. I do have access to. Oh, sure. Oh, well, Julie Lally uh, recommended last week Too Funny to Fail, and I watched it on Hulu, and that is the story of the Dana Carvey show, and it was oh. fascinating. Yeah, I want to watch that too. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I watched it in real time back uh -huh. then. But uh, the backstory is really interesting. And Charlie Kaufman was one of the writers. Mm -hmm. That which, uh, jives weirdly enough. Yeah. Well, yeah, the writers, the writers were all comedic geniuses and all, have all gone on to do great things. Yeah. And the show was warped. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh. Taco Bell brings you the Dana Carvey show. Well, it was right after <laughs> Home Improvement. Oh, man. Bad. Yeah. Talk about a bad slot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. So then where can we find you online? I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times. I am on KTRS every Thursday night at 1030. Miller Furniture presents Lynn Venhouse Goes to the Movies with Ray Hartman. And I have my own website, poplifestl.com. And we're here every week. Yay. You can find me on the Twitters and the Instagram at underscore Carl the Intern. And uh, I've been filling in on the Mark Reardon show on 97.1, talking movies with Mark and our buddy, Dan Buffa and Jane Duker and talking about last yesterday we were talked about Saturday Night Live's worst host of all time. And oh. I argue that a lot of the people on Rolling Stones pick were great picks at the time. Yeah. They just had horrible, you know, what we know what we know now about Lance Armstrong, what we know now mm. about uh Donald Trump, what we know now about Louis C.K. Mm -hmm. At the time, no. they were great picks, but uh, in hindsight, bad. Oh, sure. No, I, that that shouldn't be their their barometer. You know, well, they, well they're saying and like they say, uh, Lindsay Lohan's third time or fourth time hosting, not 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 her first three or her fifth, but yeah. the the third a fourth time that she the, hosted the crash and burn era of Lindsay lohan right we'll exactly. for that yeah which was the one you can tell who's phoning it in who's just looking at the cue cards you can always tell that but them oh. getting paris hilton to host in in the time that that was that was a good mm -hmm. get sure sure it's not yeah. it's not you know it's not is this because no. of elon musk hosting this yes weekend? that is that is tonight I don't okay. know. I don't have high hopes, but a lot of times so, when I don't think the host is going to do very good, it turns into a really good episode. And then uh, oftentimes the one that I have high hopes for is a dud. Well, now, yes, for every Elon or Peyton Manning, there is Michael Phelps. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I was thinking of. It's like they had either Michael Phelps or, or who is this, the Olympic skier who did the, the dinner roll and, and they, he was the host Bodie? of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. He was on there. It was Bodie awful. Miller. Yeah. Wasn't he on there? I don't even like, remember Bodie Miller being on it, but okay, like, maybe I'm wrong, but I remember there was a single, a, a skier. Okay. Well, they used to, when they first started with the uh, Chevy Chase, they, they used to have that Claudine Langer thing. Cause she yeah. was, uh, she was Andy Williams's ex-wife and she was accused of shooting this Olympic skier that yes. she was having a relationship with. I remember that bit. With. That was during and, uh update. 
Yeah, and they would have the Claudine Langer, something where the guns were going off while the guy was trying to ski. And it was one of those kind of skits. Now, I remember a Lindsay Lohan episode where it had to be the funniest Debbie Downer of all time when the family was going to Disney World and they all broke character. My cat has feline AIDS. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think, I don't know, in the Lindsay Lohan pantheon, which number that was, but that was a really funny skit. And of course, Fallon always broke character. But this Debbie Downer said yeah, he was not a good cast go member. He was good on update, but he broke all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, is is the list of Rolling Stone the worst hosts on SNL? I mean, typically the, the, the one top is, 20 worst hosts. Typically, the number one is Seagal. Right? Yes, he, that's who it is. OK, OK. Yeah, I, I know there's got to be some good dirt there. I want to hear the like the long winded how bad Steven Seagal was that week stories at some point, um, you know, cause all everybody says is he's the worst. He's the worst. Yeah. He, threat he threatened people. He was the worst. And then like, uh, Chevy's last time is on there too. Uh, and oh, Nancy Kerrigan, but I argue again, Nancy yeah. Kerrigan hosting yeah. is, is a good get at the time. Yeah. Right. Was that the one when Chris Farley was acting like the skater in the Olympics? Yeah. That's a genius yeah. skit. Oh my God. That was when the primitive days of the video shorts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Before those well, ate everything. Uh, <laughs> some of the best hosts were just totally unexpected, like Justin Timberlake, and he became a five timer. Yeah. And then uh, one of the it, Louis. So they have uh, since the beginning, since 1975. So like they have Louise Lasser from oh, 1976. Yeah. And that she had just gotten busted for cocaine the week before. And so she really didn't want to be there. Uh, and then there was uh, uh, she else? was in Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Yeah, and she, she was Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, right? Ex-wife right. of uh, Woody Allen. And also uh, another one was Milton Berle, who thought he oh. could teach these young punks a thing or two and did not. This must be the list I read then. I, I did read a list within the last month or two about the worst hosts. Okay, well, so. they it, they brought it back because of Musk hosting tonight. Cool. All right. Well, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. All right. Thank you for being with us, Jim. Well, thank you again for having me on your fine, fine, fine show. Well, thank you, Jim. And thank you, Carl. And be good to your moms and your wives this weekend. And happy 60th birthday to George Clooney, because I'm sure he's, he's listening, too. Yeah. And hey, birthday, George. Good job, George. Yeah. Stay safe. Get your vaccination. Buy local. See you out and about, I hope. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.